WTTM094. Is this you? Addicted to the internet. Can't get enough information on Disney, entertainment, and pop culture. Always looking for more, more, more. Well, then you should check out www.thebluepirate.info, a sparkling brand new website from Roger Colton, last seen on Jim Hill Media. Something fresh and interesting five days a week, along with one rerun every Thursday. That's www.thebluepirate.info. Caution, side effects may include uncontrollable laughter, a compulsion to click on links, and insatiable curiosity. This website is not a water toy, may not be taken internally. Your actual mileage may vary. Thebluepirate.info You're listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. Brought to you by windowtothemagic.com Surround yourself with the magic. Welcome to the windowtothemagic.com podcast. My name is Paul, and as always, I will be your guide through the wonderful world of Disney sound experiences. This show is a weekly trip into the world of the Disney theme parks and resorts, and this is the place where you get to use your ears to surround yourself with the magic. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 94 of the windowtothemagic.com podcast. Well, Westfest has come and gone, and all who were in attendance had a fabulous time. And for those of you who were not able to make it to Westfest this year, remember, there's always next year. Plan on late April or early May, and we hope to see you all there. In a few minutes, I'll be having a special guest on the show from the DPN boards who will be here to discuss Westfest from a decidedly different perspective than I had on the weekend. It's just another example of how many people can attend the same event and enjoy it in totally different ways. Hey, Paul and Patrick and the rest of the crew of Window to the Magic. This is Daniel Lightfoot from Orlando, Florida. Daniel on the DPN forums. Um, It is April the 28th, Saturday of 2007, and uh, I was here at Walt Disney World, and I was just thinking about Westfest and how really cool how, you know, part of us are here at Walt Disney World and part of us are there at Westfest. I wish I was at Westfest with you guys, but, uh, you know, this is the next best thing, but um, I hope you guys had a really great time out there. I know I did out here, so uh, I'll see you on the next podcast. Bye. Okay, so here's the deal. Westfest was a series of events and group get-togethers that went like this. On Saturday, we had the main meet-and-greet. That was basically where everyone got to meet all of the podcasters, all the podcasters got to meet all the listeners, and then we took off to go do our respective things. This was not a real good opportunity to get audio, because it was just a series of hello, nice to meet you's, and that sort of thing. Then we had Patrick's Trivia Walk. Now, of course, Patrick recorded the entire thing, and he will eventually be putting it out on his show, so you can all look forward to hearing that. That was one of the more popular events throughout the entire weekend, and I was glad to hear that. That went over really, really well. 
Then, of course, we had the mice and the DPN Astro Blaster Smackdown. Another not-so-good opportunity to collect audio because it was really just different people riding the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster attraction and trying to get the highest score. A million-plus Gs. Then, of course, we had the castle meet, which was actually just a photo opportunity where we took pictures with the entire group and, of course, the windowtothemagic.com team also had their photos taken. And then we broke down into smaller groups so that you could get pictures with your favorite podcasters. This, of course, not another opportunity for audio because, what, you want to hear people going, okay, now, uh, row two, you can uh, kind of bend down a little. Can you move over? Yeah, not exactly what you want to hear. Then, of course, we had Christopher and Brad's Pirates of the Caribbean ride where they made us walk the plank. Unfortunately, I didn't go to this one because I was trying to rescue all of the photos from the photo meet, but from what I hear, it was very fun and everybody had a good time, I'm sure that they took lots of video and that you'll end up seeing it at some point. Then of course we had the banquet. Lots and lots of stuff, lots of people talking, lots of things being given away, not really good audio. I'm pretty sure that nobody's really going to run too much of this, but we'll have to see. Then on Sunday morning we had the Where in the Park game, which you heard uh, live that weekend, we're almost live, and then Greg from MiceCast took us on a New Orleans Square Secrets walk. I'm sure that there was recordings made of that as well, and I'm sure that'll be out on one of Greg's 52 podcasts that he does. Then, of course, we had the lunch at the Pacific Wharf, which, again, not a good opportunity for audio because, once again, it was just a, hey, how's your weekend going? Are you having fun kind of thing? Nothing too intriguing. Then, of course, we had Don Ballard's Disneyland Hotel History Walk, which was where Don took us around the Disneyland Hotel and told us all of the history. He took us out to the actual spot where they broke ground for the hotel and took us around and through the hotel showing us points of interest. This one was a lot of fun. Then, of course, the flag retreat. This one, we were all kind of recording. I didn't actually record it, but I'm sure there were people that were recording it. But this was more of a solemn type thing and and not really anything out of the ordinary that you wouldn't hear each time you go to Disneyland. Then, of course, we had the Heimlich choo-choo train meet, which was kind of a thrown-together-at-the-last-moment kind of thing, and this was something that was done between Jeff and Tony from above the firehouse, and I'm sure one of those two is going to have the audio for you. And then, of course, we capped off the weekend with Glowfest. This was the Disney's Electrical Parade get-together where we all got together, put on all kinds of glow, and basically attempted to outshine the Electrical Parade. We may not have done it in sheer number of glow sticks, but boy, we sure did it in excitement. Oh boy, did we have fun. Now, basically the way that I look at it is, each of the sponsors of these events will be covering their own events with a few exceptions, such as, for example, with my blessing, Joel Coconut Wireless from the Meandering Mouse videocast will be presenting video of one of Window to the Magic's events on the Meandering Mouse podcast. Another example is that a lot of us will have video, etc. from Glowfest. So where does that leave Window to the Magic? Patrick will be covering his events of the shows, and I, this week, 
am going to be covering Don Ballard's Disneyland Hotel History Walk. The other events will be covered by those who sponsored the events, and I think that's pretty much the way that it should be. That way, no one is really stepping on anybody else's toes, per se. So to that end, here is the audio from Don Ballard's Disneyland Hotel History Walk. This is a very fun and informative event, and I think that Don did a bang-up job. Enjoy. This is what Anaheim area looked like in 1947. If you look right here, let me get this <laughs> This is the Santa Ana Freeway or the Five. And that's Harbor Boulevard right there. Yeah, don't be afraid. He doesn't bite much. That's that's the Santa Ana Freeway. That's Harbor Boulevard. Disneyland would be right here, and the hotel would be over in here. This is West Street, and uh, that's what it looked like in 1947. Actually, why don't we move over this way? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're gonna. And this is some um, some street shots from Anaheim uh, of what it looked like before uh, Disney took over around here. This is actually West Street right here, where the hotel was first located on the lower the lower floor. And this would be just before Disney uh, entered the scene in the uh, in the in the early fifties. The way the story goes was that in the, in the, in the spring of 1954, uh, Walt Disney got a hold of his friend and neighbor, Jack Rather, in Beverly Hills and talked with him. And this is uh, Jack Rather and Walt Disney. And in the spring of 1954, Walt approached Jack about building a hotel here on the grounds to, uh, to accommodate the many people that he felt would attend his new theme park, Disneyland. Walt had first gone to Hilton and several of the other Marriott large uh, chain hotels and they all turned him down and said, you know, it's never going to fly. Uh, you saw the picture of what the area looked like. It was all basically orange groves, stra strawberry fields, and uh, they, they everybody said they're crazy, you know. Walt's crazy for building Disneyland here and Jack, you're even crazier for building a hotel out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but after a little bit of convincing uh, on Walt's part and uh, to see the sincerity that Walt put forth, uh, Jack was convinced that it just might fly, the idea just might fly. He was a bit of an adventurer himself. He was a Texas wildcatter in the uh, oil fields and a speculator. And uh, he came from a fairly wealthy family and, uh, you know, he had some money to, to spend at that time. The, the first plans that they drew up were from the architectural firm of Pereira and Leckman. And they were some pretty big name architects here. I'll, I'll just walk around and show everybody. These are the first original plans for the hotel. This is from a newspaper from 1955. And um, it, a lot of that uh, never got built, but that's what, that's what they had uh, concept of what they were going to put here. And then again, this was what was in the original 1955 Disneyland guidebook, talking about the hotel and advertising the hotel for the first time. The lower one is actually the first brochure, a copy of the first brochure. Uh, and there's some things on there that never actually made it into the, uh, to the final hotel. It was a $10 million venture to build the hotel, which in the, in the 50s was, even today is a lot of money. Back then you can imagine how much it was. So what we're going to do now is, I hope that wedding's over over there, because <laughs> I want to take you to the original location of the groundbreaking. So if you would, let's just go over here. Follow me. 
Yeah, that's, that's the spot. It was roughly right here that on March 18th, 1955, Jack Rather, Bonita Granville Rather, and Mayor Charles Pearson of Anaheim dug the first spade into the ground for the groundbreaking for the Disneyland Hotel. Um, they also sent this invitation out to uh, dignitaries, invited guests, Disney people, uh, the builders, um, and, and all the people that were uh, involved, the press, the media, things like that. Uh, but it was right here. And the way I base that is on the position of the Bonita Tower. Um, I have a picture of the spot uh, where uh, they said that they, they did it. It's somewhere right in this uh, general vicinity. Of course, it's all been torn down. This used to be the site of the original five uh, Oriental Gardens or, or uh, South Garden uh, villas. This is a overhead shot from 1955 and if you look the hotel's right here and they're they're building it this i think um what did we say where's dave we said that was for the press day the press were were there on at disneyland on that day on the 15th of july 1955 uh, that was probably, yeah. uh, okay this was when disneyland was just about to open um and again the hotel's right here where my finger is and you can see that it's almost there's almost nothing there there is the Reachfield service station but the, the hotel has not been uh, should have made bigger pictures. <laughs> anyway, that's the original five when they were first building them uh, at the hotel. And again, we're about right here now, right in here. It's changed just a little bit. So the first, uh, actually the first night on October 5th, 1955, the hotel opened, about uh, close to three months after Disneyland opened. And the very first night that they opened, they only had seven rooms available. The, uh, the strikes that were hitting Disneyland, the plumber strike and the union strikes and all of that, also hit the workers of the hotel. So on opening night on October 5th, there were only seven rooms available and they had to use one as the lobby. So there were really only six rooms available. But within the first week, they got the first 104 rooms right in this area here open and ready. And they were at 100% occupancy until they uh, added on uh, in the following year. But this shot here is of the, of the first official Disneyland Hotel brochure. And this is the first registering office. If you look right there, that says, that says office right there because the first office was actually a room in the hotel. And people would park right there and then they would go in and they would register there. They also had a unique thing later where you could register from your car. They would come out and register you uh, at the hotel and your car. Okay, first trivia question for a prize of a Magical Hotel t-shirt. How much was a room on the opening night when the hotel first opened? How much did a room cost? $35. Lower. $5. Who said nine? I did. Okay, nine, right there. All right. It was nine dollars. Hey, Dave, what does it cost to park here now? Eleven. How much? Eleven. Too much? More than, more than nine dollars, right? Yeah, but not if you're staying in the hotel. If you look on here, it says 
I hope I don't spill anything else out. Nine dollars was the, the first room. The first room right there, nine dollars. It was a little bit more. That was if you were on a balcony. If you were on the ground floor, it was eleven dollars to give back the shirt. Oh. <laughs> I wanted a balcony. Okay. This is a first overhead shot from 1956 of when they got in the uh, the five original buildings of where we're standing now. They've also constructed the uh, the North Garden rooms here and the administration building and the restaurants and the parking lot. And this was the first restaurant here until this one here opened called the Little Gourmet Restaurant. I'll show you some more pictures of that later. But that's a, uh, a one of the first overhead shots. And that's from 1956. And then uh, these are some of the brochures, the original brochures from the 50s. And I have every one of those. Thank you, eBay. And of course, when the hotel opened, there was no monorail. Um, they used a, uh, a tram uh, like this. <laughs> and we have a former tram driver there who used to drive this tram. Not, those. not these. <laughs> He's not that old. But were they fun to drive? They were actually a lot of fun to drive. Did you ever run anybody over? Never ran. Close? Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Never wrecked one? That's the that's the tram there. And it amazed me is how beat up they were and how dirty they were. And how small they were. That was the Disneyland Hotel tram. They had another tram, I guess, that was going in the parking lot to draw people off. This is another shot from 1958. And you can see in Disneyland, there's still lots of, uh, of orchards and, and, and orange groves and strawberry fields and, and things uh, in there. The hotel being right here. This is before the monorail. And this one uh, is particularly interesting because uh, they have the three buildings here that were in the North Garden. Well, it's interesting to me. They have the three buildings in the North Garden area, and they still have the gourmet restaurant and no monorail. So sometimes you can date pictures by you know what you see in the pictures. Um, and then this one has the addition of the fourth North Garden structure. This was the rarest uh, rendition of the hotel because this only lasted for about 11 months to where they had uh, four garden structures in the north section of the of the property right here. And you can see also they've cleared here for the first tower, which is the tower there. They've cleared space for the first tower right here. Hey Dom, where would the, um, the restaurant actually have been sitting? The, the original uh, restaurants that were at the hotel? No, no, the one that was out. The gourmet. Oh, we're going to go over. We're going to go the Little Gourmet. That would have been uh, about where those cars are right there, that first row of cars right there. And then the station would have been there, maybe a little bit further out. I have a picture I'll show you later that'll give us some perspective on uh, on what it is. Anyway, so this is where the original five garden structures were, and they didn't really change the price on those for the first four years. It was $9 and $11. They did have suites, and they did have um, luxury accommodations for people, and I think those were $22. It's a stick. Back then, I think it was a uh, dollar. Didn't it cost a dollar to get into Disneyland? It was a dollar, and then I, they went to ticket books, you know, to, to get into to where you could buy the magic uh, 10 pack or 15 pack. I think pack. you can also get into 35 cents without tickets. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah, there was a, yeah. You can get a general admission to get inside real cheap. So anyway, from, from 1955 till 1960, uh, they did add the two-story structures, and then they started having plans uh, to, uh, in December of 1960, Walt Disney met with Jack Rather at a press conference and they discussed bringing the monorail 
into the hotel to make a round trip uh, uh, from Disneyland to the hotel so that the monorail would go from uh, a little under a mile to two and a half miles and it would also be a feature of the hotel, a selling feature of the hotel where people staying here could get into Disneyland through the monorail, which was a, a, a great thing for us. I always liked that, that feature. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to walk back and we're going to go over to the monorail. I went over to Don's house three, four weeks ago and he had laid out an entire table worth of memorabilia and stuff for me. Wow. We talked for like four or five hours. Calvin finally at midnight is going, Dad, can we go home? <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, yeah, just hold on. <laughs> just hold on. We're dating photos here. We're <laughs> Right here, if you smell hard enough, you might smell chlorine. This is where the Olympic pool was, right here, uh, based on the Sierra Tower. That was removed in 1999. This was uh, part of the original 1955 Disneyland Hotel. The Olympic pool was here, and I swam in that thing many times. So that's this. And this was all, and this is all downtown Disney now, but this was all the original hotel was right in here. All of the restaurants, the shops, they had offices and all kinds of things. Okay, in December of 1960, like I said before, they had a meeting with Walt Disney and Jack Rather. And I, I don't know if I, I said that at the beginning, but you all know that Disney did not own the hotel when the hotel was first built until 1988. It was owned by the Rather Corporation. Um, anyway, they had an idea to move the monorail here to the hotel from inside the park. Um, Walt first approached the city of Las Vegas and a couple of other places and nobody was interested in building a monorail system. He didn't just look at that as a ride, he looked at that as a, a, a transportation uh, source for the future. And the first working monorail in the United States was here. This is the construction of the monorail station here. Um, the other thing too is, how many people can tell me where this was originally at? Right here. Right here. It has not moved. This is still here. It's, di it's designed differently, but it has not moved. This is the construction of the, uh, of the, uh, the monorail station here at the hotel. And this is Walt on the, on the opening day. He loved the monorail. Like I said, he looked at this as a source of uh, future transportation needs. And, uh, uh, and was really happy to Jack Rather. And of course, Jack Rather had it as another selling feature of the hotel. And this is a picture of the monorail as it's going over West Street with the Disneyland Hotel sign. And the monorail also had another interesting feature. It had a bar serving alcoholic beverages. And one of the reasons why they took that bar out was because people would come over on their breaks and have a few too many and then go back to work. And, but that's the monorail bar. That was a hard picture to get because there aren't a lot of the inside of that, uh, of that bar right there. And that was, the monorail's right there. It would have been about parallel this way, right up there. So the monorail here opened on the round trip circuit in June of 1961. 
uh, Disneyland was closed in April of 1961 so they could build it. They had to close down the Autopia and uh, several things in the parking lot so they could put the pylons up. Uh, but it's in its original location and uh, it hasn't moved. What confuses a lot of people is because the hotel used to be out to here, they, they, they'll, they'll write to me or they'll ask me, hey, I used to get off the monorail and I was right at the hotel. Yes, that is, but now we're in downtown Disney. They even changed the name of the stop to the downtown Disney stop instead of the Disneyland Hotel stop. Anybody have any questions about this? Okay, next we're gonna go over to the tower building. take advantage of uh, uh, getting more rooms for the same uh, parcel of land. So in September of 1961, they had an announcement that they were going to build the first tower right here. And this was going to add 160 rooms to the hotel, 11 stories. And exactly one year later in September of 1962, they opened. And what do you notice about that? Yeah. Right. They got a lot of ribbing about that because they said it's the Disneyland Hotel, not the Hotel Disneyland. But if you look, they couldn't fit it because of the position of the glass elevator. So they had to put Hotel Disneyland on there. So that was constructed in, uh, and opened in September of 1962. The hotel now had 450 rooms. This is an interesting picture. This was given to me by the Rather family. It's a little blurry because it's it, I, I blew it up a lot. This is the Rather family here in front of the building. This is Jack Rather, his wife, Juanita Granville, their son, Chris, who wrote the introduction to the book, and their oldest daughter, Molly. Also, in 1961 and 1962, they constructed a miniature golf course here. And this is a nice shot of the miniature golf course. And they themed each hole after an attraction in Disneyland. If you look there, there's Matterhorn, there's the castle. Um, I have some of uh, Mickey and there's Fantasyland and uh, Monstro the Whale. But they had an 18-hole miniature golf course here across uh, Cerritos. They also had helicopter service here at the hotel, which was across the street. And uh, they had uh, 26 flights a day coming in. It was $14 round trip from LA International Airport. And uh, it was about a 20-minute flight. They did have a couple of those go down, and so they discontinued the service. Anybody killed on them? Or? Yes, everybody. Ooh. Originally, in 1955, they landed across over by Harbor Boulevard until they got the, uh, the, the pad built and everything in 1960-61 for here. But this also has the monorail coming in now and the hotel in its biggest configuration with the two-story structures and a half tower. This is inside of a room in, 19, in the 1960s, pretty basic. The rooms were typically 400 to 500 square feet. They're nothing real fancy, but very comfortable. Incidentally, when they first built the hotel, it was one of the first hotels in the United States to have a television in every room. Because in the mid-50s, having a television was really something. And some rooms even had color televisions. So, that quickly became, uh, they, they were getting too many requests for rooms, and they had to expand. So what did they do? They had a groundbreaking to expand the tower building. And what they did was they built a separate building next to the tower building to expand it now to where 
Uh, it went from 160 rooms, and now this added about 300 rooms. They were up to, I believe it was 616 rooms and suites now in the hotel, but this is how they built it. They just built a separate building right next to the other one. And we're gonna go in it in a minute, and I'll show you how you can tell the difference in the two buildings. Eventually, it came out to be the Sierra Tower. Initially, it was just called the Tower Building. And uh, this is right around 1966 when it became a full tower. And this was also when Disney started pushing these rooms as opposed to the two-story garden rooms. This is a picture of the full tower here, and this is the marina that they're building. But that gives you an idea. That's where we are today. We're, you know, somewhere around in here. That tells you where downtown Disney is now. The pool being about right over there. And I have a better one of this too that I'll show you. So now what I'd like to do is we're going to take a walk in there and I'm going to show you um, what was pointed out to me. I guess we could just go around this way. Right here, if you notice, you step down. This is the separation of the building right here uh, where they added the second, uh, second half of the building. So I'll show you. If you look on here, they're, they're just building a building next to a building. And um, they, it was offset a little bit right here where you see the step down. Um, that's the dividing point between the two buildings. Of course, once they were able to um, add the second half of this building on here, then they were able to fix the sign. And now it says Disneyland Hotel. Again, this was originally the tower building. They named it the Sierra Tower sometime in the late 60s. And uh, it's been the Sierra Tower since. In 1968, the Disneyland Hotel announced a major expansion. Uh, they were going to put up two more towers and a marina um, and all kinds of travel facilities and uh, more shops and restaurants. The first tower that they built that they started in 1969 was the Marina Tower. And what this did was it moved, it now had a new main lobby. The uh, hotel moved from uh, 1441 West Street to 1150 West Cerritos Avenue. Oh wait, that was going to be a trivia question. Anyway. Ask it again later, see if they remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if you remember. So anyway, what you have now on an overhead shot from 1970, oh there's another interesting thing here, the convention center was built in 1967, which is right here. You now have an L-shaped tower, there's one tower there, one tower there, and the uh, the second part of the L is the Marina Tower. So, and that's the Marina Tower when it was finished. Uh, some rooms were opened in late 1969, but it officially opened on January 19th, 1970. Now, what we have here is just slightly under a thousand rooms, 990 rooms available at the Disneyland Hotel. And this one also had suites that are up at the top of the hotel. And uh, thanks, where's Dave? Thanks to Dave, I was able to get a suite one night when I was coming here to talk to Disney about uh, some historical things on the hotel. Okay, next trivia question for another t-shirt. The original lobby at the hotel on 1441 West Street was moved to the Marina Tower. What did that building become known as? What did that building become known as? The original lobby that used to be over here um, on the grounds. Yes? I'm not. John, was it the travel port? Travel port, oh, yeah. yes. Wow. I have four t-shirts to give away to this too. So the original lobby became the travel port. Uh, Air California went in there, uh, PSA, Western. 
several different airlines, uh, Avis, Hertz, all kinds of travel facilities went in there, travel uh, arrangement facilities. The new lobby looked like this, very 70s looking. Well, because it was the 70s, that's probably why. Uh, but you know, lots of uh, bold colors and shag carpet and, uh, and, and, and interesting Brady Bunch touches <laughs> in it. And this is a favorite of mine, the Palm Court Lounge. You could also buy, uh, that's a full bar there, you could get just about any drink. That's now where the gift shop is in the hotel. And again, the lobby area uh, of what it was designed. This is right in 1970. They also constructed a marina, which was right here where the Neverland Pool is now. And the marina had uh, boats and leisure time things. They had uh, RVs and, uh, and uh, speed boats and, uh, and luxury boats. They even had an airplane for a while here. A Piper airplane was docked here. Um, and they had salespeople there that would talk to you about buying boats or, or renting boats or whatever if you wanted to use those for vacation. Um, they also had the, uh, the pedal boats that you could take out there and you could go in and pedal around and it was free for the first couple of years and then it became 50 cents where you could actually take a pedal boat and go out into the marina and chase ducks and things. And then years later they had the replica model of the Queen Mary um, in there and you could uh, steer the tugboats into the Queen Mary. This, in 1972, they built the convention center, this wing here. And this is the grand ballroom. I have never been in here before. I've never been here in here officially. I've been in here, snuck in here lots of times. Mm -hmm. This is a construction shot of when they're building the convention center. This is 1971, 1972. This opened in, uh, in 1972, um, and it gave the Disneyland Hotel the capabilities now to host conventions. They had limited facilities at the old buildings. They had the Magnolia and the Embassy Ballrooms, but they were nothing compared to this. They were about a quarter the size of this room. Uh, this is when the convention center first opened right here. And then uh, some of the festivities, some of these pictures aren't so great, I apologize, where they would have people in here. But you can see the chandelier, how pretty and everything. And uh, they have full AV facilities, uh, uh, full catering facilities. Uh, one year, what was it, the Democratic or the Republican Party did their uh, convention thing in here. Uh, General Motors was one of the first large corporations to do their yearly event, and the, uh, the workers loved it because they could bring their kids here and they'd go to Disneyland while they were you know, here all day at the convention. Um, so anyway, this is the, the ballroom. There's another uh, room uh, to the left up here too, but this is the big one. This is the, the real pretty one. I always like this with the chandelier and everything. Okay, I'm kind of hurrying up because I'm about running out of time. Oh, you got it? Thank you. Oh, right here. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're just going to go out the doors. Something that I've always loved is all the uh, souvenirs and trivia from Disneyland. But they also did this for the 50th anniversary display, which was in 2005. This is uh, a lot of the old shots that I have in the book and everything, and as well as some that I don't have. But I need to meet with you, Dave. Where is he? But I can get copies of those. Um, anyway, so that's some neat uh, history on the hotel there. They have some more of some, some of the people that have stayed here. Some more over here of uh, some of the shots inside the hotel. Okay, I'll get us over to the last tower now. This is the other pool that not a lot of people know about, the Cove Pool. I don't think I've ever even swam in that one. Wow. Uh-huh. 
it's still here. This is not running anymore though. No, but it'd make a heck of a swimming pool. Yeah. Wouldn't it though? Or they could put some seals in there or something. This is the dancing water show. And uh, it, it no longer runs. I don't think it does. I don't know. I, I heard it doesn't run anymore. I haven't seen it uh, uh, in a long time. Uh, but it was a real pretty show and it was free and it you know, ran several times a night. And uh, They added it when they added the marina in uh, as part of the Water Wonderland. Then in 1972-1973, uh, the Rather Company kind of sort of fell on hard times. Uh, where money was kind of tight, the economy was bad in the world, and they made their first talks or attempts with Disney to try to have Disney buy the hotel. But uh, because we're out of time and because uh, uh, I don't really want to expand on a lot, they couldn't reach a deal. So Jack Rather figured, oh, what the heck. So he did the third phase of the towers, which was the Bonita Tower. This is a picture of them breaking ground for the Bonita Tower. This is Jack Rather. Um, this is a guy named Don Tatum, Bonita Granville, and that guy is still yet to be identified. I have it narrowed down to two different people. But they're actually breaking ground for the Bonita Tower, which is right there. And this is a construction shot of the Bonita Tower uh, when they were building it. And this is after the Bonita Tower was built. How am I doing on time? Uh, I got 12 minutes. This is the Bonita Tower, and this is where we are right here. We're over at the Dancing Fountain. Dancing Waters. Okay. This is the falls that are over there that you can all go see once this is over. It's a great place to go on a hot day because the mist kind of hits you. And I don't know how much longer, uh, Dave, how much longer are those going to be there? Yeah. This is gone though, right? This will stay as it is because of the popularity of finding new we're going to be turning this into a dolphin. Oh, all right. That's cool. I'm kidding. Oh, you were kidding? Okay. Hey, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, have a shark show in there. And then this is a, a, a final overhead shot of with all three towers in there. Uh, and then by then, they were really phasing out the uh, two-story structures. They even converted some into offices and uh, actually tore one of them out so that they could have a, a, a garden and gazebo for weddings um, in the North Garden structure there, um, where they actually perform wedding ceremonies there. They're doing them right over here now, but they used to do them right over there where they tore out one of the buildings. That building was non, uh, we were talking earlier, it was non-revenue generating, and they were using it for storage anyway. Um, so that takes us up to 1978. Uh, not much happened. The economy was really bad. The Rather Company continued to get worse um, until 1984, where Jack Rather passed away, left everything to his wife, Bonita, who took over the company, and her son, Christopher, who wrote the introduction to the book, again and um, they started really getting into serious talks with Disney around 86 87 to take over the hotel um, in 1988 Disney took over the hotel and uh, bought the Spruce Goose the Queen Mary and uh, assumed all of the rather debt in the Disneyland Hotel and they immediately went in and started changing things and uh, and uh, making it a nice hotel because by that time it had gotten fairly run down and people were saying we don't care who owns it it's got the Disney name on it so there was a sense of urgency there to, uh, to get it within the Disney fold. And in uh, May of 1999, a very sad time for me, uh, they fenced off the original Disneyland Hotel there, as you can see there, and um, started demolishing it. By July of 1999, um, they had torn it all out. And it was uh, 
no more. I, I wanted them to try to leave one building, and that's a, it was a parking lot for a little while. I wanted them to try to leave one building so that they could have it for historical sake, but the buildings were in really bad shape. And they also removed all of the restaurant row and uh, uh, the pool, which is right there. And you can see in this picture that it's completely, completely gone. Next time I do this, I got to get posters. <laughs> can you carry them? Oh, yeah. Okay. By the way, where's your bag? No, I'm kidding. Anyway, and that's, of course, what it looks like now, uh, where we just left. Um, so now um, there's no more garden rooms. There's no more Olympic pool, no more uh, monorail cafe, which leads me to my next trivia question. What year did the monorail cafe open? Who said 86? I said 86. Who's going to take credit for it? 86. Can I have another t shirt? Hey, done. See, I had that arranged to the end of my. Question. I'm sitting on the button, by the way. Uh, all right. Got you again. Yeah, Go ahead. Last trivia question. <laughs> Anybody can answer this. Uh, nobody will get it, though. What was the original name of the Marina Tower? Marina Tower. No. The original name of the Marina Tower. I heard it back there. Yeah. He said it. He said it. <laughs> The Cerritos Tower. Thank you. All right. Any questions? All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it. Yes. And Don, on behalf of Window to the Magic, oh, we would like you. to present you with a pin as thank you. Great. That's a commemorative pin from this event. Thank uh, you. Thank you for surrounding us with your magic. I love those DVDs, by the way. I put them on at work, and Good. I don't get anything done. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, everybody, any questions or anything? <laughs> yeah, how do we get out of here? Yeah. Watch out, walking down here too, because there is a ghost that walks along this, uh, where does he walk, Dave? He walks along right up here, and it was somebody that supposedly fell out of one of the upper floors. Oh my God. And he's been seen many times. So just be careful. <laughs> All righty, thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks again, Don. During Westfest, Window to the Magic held the autograph game, and the prize for collecting all of our autographs was a special limited edition two and one quarter inch surround yourself with the magic pin. Well, we happen to have a few of these pins left over, and so we're selling them to anyone who's interested. You will receive a limited edition pin and a Westfest 2007 lanyard for $10, and that includes domestic shipping. If you're overseas, let me know, and I will figure out what the overseas shipping is going to be. Now, if you're interested, send an email to podcast at windowtothemagic.com, and I'll send you out an invoice. Don't send any money ahead of time, because I want to make sure that I actually have enough pins for everybody. 
I don't want to take your money unless I've actually got a pin for you. And as I said, these are in very limited supply, and I'm sure they're going to go quickly. So make sure you contact me as soon as you can. Oh, and if you played the Window to the Magic autograph game and didn't quite collect all 10 signatures, please email me and let me know, and I'll tell you how to get your pin too. If you played the game and you gave it your best shot, I want you to have a pin. Now, our special guest. Well, I'm glad to be joined here today by Laureen, uh, or Auntie Lowe from the DPN boards. Uh, welcome to the Window to the Magic podcast. Thank you. Laureen Lowe, Auntie Lowe, take your pick. Yes, anything. is. Do, we can call you anything, just don't call you late for dinner, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, the reason that I invited you here today was so that we could talk just briefly about WestFest and our diff, uh, different points of view. Uh, as to how we attacked this monster uh, known as Westfest 07. I, I kind of went at it from the point of view of uh, I was going to hit every event that I could, and, uh, and so I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. How was it that you kind of attacked the event? Well, my intention was to actually make some of the uh, guided walks and uh, other events that were going on. But as it happened, um, I went to the meet and greet Saturday morning, and I just kind of hooked up with Gary and, and his friend and Jesse, and we just uh, wandered the parks by ourselves. And, and I actually didn't make any of the events until the dinner that night. And uh, That was perfectly okay with you, because you were hanging out with friends, and, and even though you were missing quote-unquote events, you were still having a great time, right? Oh, we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. You know, and, and there's always that, that thing in me where I'm a little bit of, um, a little bit claustrophobic in big crowds. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I really wanted to make Patrick's Trivia Walk and, you know, things like that. But just, um, you know, chickened out at the last minute and <laughs> ended up staying with the, with the group that I was with. And we had fun. We had a great time. Well, it's uh, good for you that uh, that we recorded all of these events then so we can play them on the show and you'll get a chance to at least hear them. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to hearing them. Good, good. Now, you said that you did go to the, uh, to the dinner on Saturday night. Uh, did you find that to be um, a- appropriate in length? And uh, what did you think of the room and uh, pretty much everything from that evening? Oh, you're killing me, Paul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a very well-planned, well-thought-out dinner. I enjoyed the presentations, and uh, everyone did a very nice job. It's just my own little idiosyncrasy. I just felt very claustrophobic in that room. And uh, I did think it went on a little bit too long, but uh, I thought everyone did a really nice job in the presentations that they did. So basically we could uh, we could split that into two dinners over two nights or something like that, and it probably would suit you better that way? Oh, definitely. And in a room where the, the uh, curtains are open so I can see outside. <laughs> Or at least something a little more spacious, like the Grand Ballroom at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, that would be lovely. Yes. Think we could swing that? I, I think we could. However, I don't think $35 a plate is going to cut it. <laughs> Maybe I'll win the lottery by then and I can pay for it all myself. Sponsored by Auntie Lowe instead of brought to you by windowtothemagic.com, right? That'd be 
great. We could get buttons and everything. So on, on day two, now, I know that you came out and you joined me at the Crack of O Dark 30 for the Where in the Park Live, and the park was very, very empty. Um, so you had about 25 people that were around you at that time. How did that work out for you? Did you enjoy going on that? Oh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Of course, uh, Harmony Bell and I were in the back of the crowd just being entirely bad and inappropriate. So uh, we had a ball. Oh, good, good, good. We tried not to get too close to uh, the recording person and, uh, you know, not mess up your recording. But, yeah, we, we were we were being very bad and having a lot of fun in the back of the crowd. Okay, and Window to the Magic had, of course, set up to have you guys receive Dream Fast Passes or Ears as we walked out of Fantasyland, which was the reason for that loop. Um, did, you get in, uh, did you get any of that uh, swag there from Disney? I did get a Dream Fast Pass, my very first Dream item. I, it was very exciting. Cool. Well, I'm glad you were able to take part of that. I did notice uh, that you were not in the photo. Uh, I just uploaded a photo today to the, uh, the thread uh, about asking for opinions. And uh, actually, let me take a moment here for to tell everyone that at the DPN boards, we do have in the window to the magic section uh, a couple of threads where we ask for your opinions of the events that took place out at Westfest. So if you haven't already, if you haven't seen it, please go to the DPN.com, go into the window to the magic general section and give us your opinion. We need your input so that we can make Westfest better. I'll say that again uh, later on in the show, I'm sure, but uh, just thought about that right now. So then we ended up going in and, uh, and going to our final destination, and then we went our separate ways again. Did you, at that point, you didn't stick with us, you took off again and, and went and enjoyed your day? Right. At that point, I think we rode Peter Pan because we were in Fantasyland, and then we went off to have breakfast after that. But I wanted to say really quickly that I enjoyed being part of a Where in the Park game because that was my very first Disney podcast that I ever listened to was one of your Where in the Park games. So it was fun for me to be a part of that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we we enjoy bringing people along. People tend to um, pay more attention to the games once they've actually been on one because they know, one, exactly what it's like to record one, and two, they've actually been there so they can remember exactly the path and everything, and it tends to bring a better enjoyment for it. So I, and that's why I do them at Mouse Fest and at West Fest, is so that people can, can be part of that and kind of be a little closer to, uh, to the games. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, very much. Even though I think we were probably getting our fast passes at the point where... The picture was taken. I think so, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. well. That's all right. There's always next year. That's okay. I can be the mythical low. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, there's enough pictures of, of us up there for people to know what we look like. So, um, What would you suggest that the Westfest uh, planning committee do next year, possibly to make things uh, a little better for you? Well, I don't know, because I think it was very well planned. I think the amount of events and the spacing through the day was appropriate. But um, just don't be insulted if people like me don't make them. Right. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. There was a lot of people that were not going to the events. I mean, heck, I didn't see hardly any of the actual DPN podcasters. 
at any of the uh, at any of the events unless they were particularly sponsoring it. Right. I had I had fun. I'm sorry. I had fun just randomly running into people too. Right. Yeah. That was a lot of fun for me. I did that throughout the weekend as well and that was that was a a great amount of fun. So uh so pretty much uh no uh, no thoughts for anything you would like to see next year or anything like that? Oh my goodness, you caught me on uh, you caught me off guard. I'm not certain. I'd have to think about that and and uh give you a better opinion later. Maybe right. um I really like the the informal mixers. I, I like the meet and greet Saturday morning, and uh, there was a lunch at the Pacific Wharf. I think that was on Sunday. That was a lot of fun, just kind of meeting people in an informal setting and mixing around and, you know, getting some food and just hanging out. Okay. So maybe a uh, may, maybe a, a, a large breakfast or just another meet and greet on Sunday, uh, something like that would, would uh, make you happy? Maybe so. Yeah. Because... I'm even looking back and thinking, I can't believe this person was there and I didn't get to meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, or even people who were doing the wear in the park game, I didn't get to meet the people who were in our own group. Right. Yeah. Allegedly, so. Mrs. Sparrow was there and you didn't right. know it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it or not, I was there too. You were. I didn't see you. Uh, yep. Yeah. Were you behind the tall guy with the microphones in his ears and the red hat? Ah. Which that red hat has been a, a big hit too. Um, but, uh, okay, well, that's, uh, that's basically what, uh, what I wanted to know. I appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, you know, when you think of what it is we can do, uh, you know, obviously go to the DPN boards and leave a message or email or whatever. And, uh, we will forward that on to the, uh, planning committee. Anybody can do that. Uh, so not just Auntie Lowe here, but anybody can send in their suggestions as to what they want to see next year and we'll see what we can do to making West Fest better. So again, I thank you very much for joining me, Lo. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. On a total side note here, I got this voicemail about Calvin's recent hosting appearance on Window to the Magic, episode 091. Okay. Calvin, absolutely awesome job. This one's going in the save podcast file along with many other window to the magic uh, podcast that I have to go back and listen to. Hey look some of, some of us guys in our 50s still like the good old rock music man. I've really really enjoyed the uh, section with Jerry Vane. I hope I wrote that down right and I'll have to check him out on MySpace. Good job. I know you uh, quote made your daddy proud with that show and uh, I really enjoyed it. Really appreciate the good work. Uh, For a 16 year old, man, pretty awesome. You guys keep up the great work. I had to say it again. Tim in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Thanks a lot. Bye. As you said, he sure did make his daddy proud. He is very talented. And as we move along through this podcasting thing, he's learning and progressing and will someday even eclipse his dear old dad. Frankly, it shouldn't be hard to do. Then I got this email regarding our April Fool's show. Oh, Paul. Oh, Patrick. Uh, This is Brian from the Mousing It Up podcast. What can I say about 
the April 1st episode. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. So I guess there's only one thing left to do. Sing! <laughs> Want to learn about the mouse? Then you should go to Paul Barry's Disneyland Radio. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Keep on mousing it up, guys. Bye. Brian, buddy, <laughs> what can I say? No, seriously, I'm speechless. Thanks for the comment, and I'm glad that you enjoyed the show. The window to the Magic Team will once again be at Disneyland on Saturday, May 12th, where I'll be making some high-definition recordings of Gary Toll and the Legends of Swing for you to enjoy on future Window to the Magic episodes. So if you see me in the park, I'll be the big guy wearing the gray Mouse Lounge t-shirt. Stop me and say hi. like to thank you all for listening to the windowtothemagic.com podcast as we continue our second year of bringing you the best audio experiences from throughout the wonderful world of Disney. We appreciate your feedback, so be sure to email or call us soon. Email us at podcast at windowtothemagic.com. Call us at 206-984-9886 or join our discussion forums at www.thedpn.com and join in on the conversation. Be sure to tune in next week when we will once again be coming to you almost live from Disneyland in Anaheim, California. This has been Window to the Magic Podcast, number 94, and we'll see you next time. Surround yourself with the magic.